Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Assassin's Creed, your animal podcast for all things Assassin's Creed. In today's episode, I'm going to be taking a look at the five artifacts and how they can be transformed into pieces of Eden. It's very easy to look at an artifact in history and call it a piece of Eden and give it some abilities, but the hardest part of doing this episode was finding a way to connect it to the Assassin's Creed lore. And the reason why that was so difficult is pieces of Eden, you can't make a normal artifact overpowered and give it a story to jam into the lore. You have to make a believable scenario that it would fit. So before we start, I would like to thank Sibylan Flowers on the Sisterhood server who brought this to my attention through one artifact that I will cover soon. Of everyone who's given me other ideas and discussed about the podcast. Also, everything is be recrafted. I've done 22 hours research into every artifact, its history, and if there's any references in Assassin's Creed lore. And as I haven't read Transmedia, there could be some mentions through Easter eggs or actual events that I missed. So some of these may have been touched upon, but some may not have. Again, everything is theorycrafted. There is no legitimacy to anything I'm going to discuss. It's all for theory, and maybe if Assassin's Creed wants to add them, then can you let me know that you got ideas from me? <laughs> it would be nice to see a new piece of Eden hinted at by Let's Talk Assassin's Creed. I would kind of feel happy about that. So, let's dive right in to the Crown of Thorns. Now, the Crown of Thorns is a legendary artifact that is more commonly known through religious texts. And as there has been several pieces of Eden known to be around Jesus' life, I wanted to take a look at the crown and how it could be represented as a piece of Eden. The ability that I think it could be represented would drain the physical energy from its wearer. I also believe that the Templars, who were control of Rome at the time, could have used this artifact believing Jesus was a sage. But there is no evidence that Jesus was ever a sage. He was a common man in the law of Assassin's Creed. So I believe that this sage information was misinformation from local sources. Because the piece of Eden that we know is in the law around the time of Jesus' life, I believe that some you know misinformation, some Chinese whispers could have led to false claims. And the Templars acted upon them false claims. Also, I believe that there is no evidence supporting the claims or any physical description of the artifact. And there isn't real any real text on the artifact in the law, in theory. So I think this makes a really great connection to law. So in theory, this artifact will have no hard evidence to the Assassin's Creed law. So it can be overlooked in the law as something that doesn't exist in the law. But let's say it did exist in the law and it's been hidden. Now we know this artifact has resided under Notre Dame till the real life catastrophic fire of 2019 where it was rescued and then moved to a secure location. In theory I wanted to link this to the Assassin's Brotherhood of France. I believe that this piece of Eden, if it was a piece of Eden, could have been taken, hidden away and all records deleted through time. So it's a piece of Eden that's gone under the radar and it may not actually be a piece of Eden. This is the twist I wanted to add. That I actually do believe that this crown forms 
may not be a piece of Eden. And I know it goes against what I suggested, because these may be pieces of Eden. But I want to take a unique look at the time zone and how time changes. So there is, in one theory, it was a piece of Eden that the Templars used for multiple purposes. It was then lost time. The French Brotherhood captured it, kept it secret as they did with the Sword of Eden, as seen in the very start of Unity. And then during the real-life catastrophic fire, let's say that happened in law, then it would have been moved from Notre Dame by the Brotherhood to a more secure location. No one knows its whereabouts, its history, or its actual abilities. But there is also a hint that this may not be a piece of Eden. It's a very weird one to start with, and there's one that I've had a lot of chats with on how I could weave it into the law and see how it would fit. So it's one that I don't really necessarily do want to see in the game, but it was mentioned a couple of times when I looked for ideas. So if I do some research and see if it could fit. The next one I looked at was one that I kind of really liked and one that I actually watched off a show called Mythbusters. Now, if anyone has ever watched Mythbusters, it is a fantastic show where they take myths and try and break them. It is fantastic. Some of the stuff they do is crazy. And the one that I really looked at was Robin Hood. And most not, not uh, most notably, can you split an arrow in half by shooting um, an arrow from half? Now, through a lot of tests through the most bosses, it wasn't impossible for an arrow to split another arrow. If I remember correctly, it depends on the strength, trajectory, and some other archery linguistics, I don't know. But I thought it would be really cool to put a spin on this as a bow of Eden, or a piece of Eden. Now if we take a look at Valhalla, we have the Noden's Ark. The Noden's Ark is a really cool piece of Eden, well, bow of Eden, so I'm going to nickname it, that is really fast at shooting. Um, I haven't used it much, so I just remember from some of the descriptions. And I went to Verycraft that during his crusade, in his time during the crusade, Robin of Loxley found this bow. It has no distinguishable marks to detain it from a bow, from a normal bow to a mythical bow because of how it was designed. So he just uses it. If it's already skills of archery, he doesn't realise the power this bow has. But over time, this bow is actually increasing his aim and strength of the shot. So when he enters his tournament and he's shooting the arrow and he splits the arrow in half, it looks like a mad feat by a very successful archer. But I think this would be a really cool artifact to then weave into the lore that this was just the piece of Eden helping. He didn't need just skill, he had a piece of Eden that could push the limits and help him. How this could tie into Assassin's Creed lore is there isn't much lore between Valhalla and the Crusade, just from what we see from Valhalla and the first Assassin's Creed. So we really don't know what happens with Robin Hood. So I want to say in theory that Hyphen from Valhalla sets up the English Brotherhood. And Robin of Loxley is a assassin 
I believe that he started his training in England, but then went with the king to the Crusades to continue his training in Messiah. We don't see him in Assassin's Creed because maybe he's just an NPC, so there's no real notably reason for him to be there or reason for us to see him. But he continues his training as an assassin. And as his skill grows as an assassin, he learns to be more skillful with a bow and a dagger than a hidden blade. Upon returning back to England, he realises that the Templars have took a foothold in, in his native town of Nottingham. So to do what he can, he uses his bow that he found to drive the Templars out. He becomes revered for legend for robbing the rich and helping the poor. Because that was the greatest way that the assassins could help. They're always, you know, the type of people to rob the rich and help the poor. Kind of what they do if a rich is going around putting taxes and murdering people that don't pay taxes. It's the assassin that breaks that tyranny for freedom. So his actions already, I feel, are in line with assassins. And I believe that he would have worked with his band of merry men, which would have been his brotherhood, hidden in the forest. And as we know from Valhalla, it was very easy to hide some of these locations in plain sight. So he could have had a really good secret base to hide in. And him and his buried men went out to try and push the Templars back. Did it work? We don't know. Did he actually shoot an arrow and a half? It's not impossible in real world. But it's, it's very difficult. So we don't. No. Robin of Loxley is known to be a myth himself. He's a great folk legend. Some say he was real, some say he wasn't. Which again, is actually a great fit for Assassin's Creed because giving a character with an ability or a weapon and saying that there's not much known about them gives Assassin's Creed developers more wiggle room. You can expand his story, give him more life, more depth and more strength. This one is one of my favourites to look at because I would love to see a tie-in game following Robin of Luxley as an assassin. As a main game, no. As a spin-off, yeah I could see it, it'd be fun. Finding a bow of Eden and then you could, you know, even the puzzle game where he's always using the bow to one-up. It's a very strange idea because assassins aren't really notably known for using just bows. I know Connor did, he was very good with his bow, and Cassandra, Bayek, and Ava are all good with bows, but assassins are more known for their swords and hidden blades. So an assassin that uses a bow is kind of against the norm, but if it's a bow of Eden, you're not going to object, are you? The next one is the Malta Sword of the St. John's Knight Sword, also known as the Sword of Malta. Its really long title is Malta Sword of the Knights of St. John 1565. Now I kind of found quite a lot of information on the Knights of Malta and this sword really stuck out for me. It was originally what kick-started this episode. And the reason why it stood out to us is this sword was called Malta in memory of the fierce battle during the siege of Malta, in which the Knights of St. John stopped the huge Ottoman Floatia 
from further entering that charity. Pretty cool. And again, you go on to say, it's a sort of Eden. That's all it is, sort of Eden. Let's move on. But I'm going to twist it on his head. Now, during a lot of research, it seems these Swords of Malta, or the Knight Sword of St. John, there's a lot of links to them being called Armin Swords, just by the way they're designed with the cross on their hilt, the crescent-shaped uh, guard, and the woven handle. So there's a lot of links to Armin Swords. There probably are all different swords. The Sword of... This, uh, Saint Knight's sword is called the Sword of Malta, is a single weapon, but it is in the description as Armin swords that were used by the Templar agents of Malta that I found in history. I did kind of start off as a big rabbit hole. The Knights of Malta were originally a Templar order through the First Crusade. Now, as we know, by law standards, the Knights Templar didn't become a public face till 1129 through Claire de Bernard and Hugh de Payne. I have an episode planned around that, but not saying much more. So, there is, it's a, it was a hard one to build around, is what I'm trying to get at. So, instead of going down the same route as it's a sort of Eden. And seeing as the Sword of Malta has links to the Knights of Malta, I decided to go down the route that this is a sword created through shards of Sword of Eden. These swords are very incomplete. They're not full pieces of Eden. They were made from Sword of Eden, which makes them very much, how do I word it, broken. The ability I would have given them is a very basic ability of invulnerability and strength. But if you had a full completed Sword of Eden, you would be unstoppable. But because it was broken and divided and lost time, it became that these abilities would work sometimes and sometimes not. So if you had 10 soldiers fighting all with Swords of Malta, and each of them was created from the same Sword of Eden, then two to five could gain the abilities of invulnerability and strength. And judging by the cause they were fighting, people would have saw that as probably divine intervention, or luck, or skill of the swordman. They wouldn't really look at it as a piece of Eden that would catch the eye of something mythical. And it's that key I wanted to hold on to. That what if we created a piece of Eden that people would blink and you'd miss it? It has a very strong ability, but because it's incomplete, it was eventually lost to time. The Templars and Assassins never chased the Sword of Malta because they never knew it was a piece of Eden. I think this would make a really great connection to Assassin's Creed, because Assassin's Creed has too many pieces of Eden that are either start incomplete, like the Spear of Leonidas for Cassandra, and eventually become whole, to apples of Eden that are already overpowered. It would be nice to have a piece of Eden that is broken from the offset, that an assassin could wield, but have no knowledge that it's a piece of Eden. They could wield it and its power could take effect, and they could win a battle single-handedly. 
or they can take it and it can be slain in battle because it's just a sword. This gives it this makes it one of the most unique pieces of speed in, in Assassin's Creed lore if it was able to fit. The other reason why I decided to latch onto the idea of a shard is I think Assassin's Creed has way too many swords of Eden. It's becoming, in my opinion, too more knowledgeable to make a sword and stamp on Sword of Eden. We know that swords, Peace of Eden, are very hard to destroy, but we don't know what can destroy a Peace of Eden, and we don't know fully if something can be built out of the Peace of Eden. So I think in theory it would be nice to see if it was possible that a sword could be built from a piece of Eden, making it a piece of Eden, but not one that is overpowered or one that is technically a sword of Eden. It's just what I would dub a shard of Eden. And a shard of Eden could be a collective term of pieces of Eden that have been broken into mundane artifacts like swords, shields, hats, gloves, belts. A belt of Eden wouldn't work, but <laughs> they would all be that shard. So the Malta sort of sort of Malta, in my opinion, would be a shard of Eden that would grant its wearer abilities of strength and vulnerability, but it's incomplete and inconcise. The final one is I left left it to last because it's the one that made me chuckle the most. It's one of the most debated topics from Mythbusters and modern tests, history, science, you name it. And that is Archimedes' death ray. Now, a lot of people will argue that Archimedes' death ray, which used mirror and sunlight to burn holes in Roman ships, was real. Some scholars would argue that it was fiction. A lot of modern tests have proven it to work and some have proven it false. So how do I turn this into a piece of Eden? How do I turn knowledge that it could have worked and knowledge it couldn't have worked into a fictional story? And I think the easiest way I could, well, do that is that we keep it close to history as possible. We know that Archimedes' idea was to use mirrors to concentrate sunlight into a focus beam that would burn holes on the Roman ship. But I would argue that in this sense, for law purposes and theory, that these mirrors weren't mirrors. They were a reflection device more commonly linked to solar panels. And their original purpose was to be all completed together, scattered over precise locations around the world. So when the first solar wave hit, it would store up the solar energy and disperse it safely in another direction, a countermeasure to the turbo catastrophe. But in law, this never worked. As they were too busy chasing more methods, this method was left abandoned because it was inconsistent. As we already know by law, by real history, Archimedes' death row, also known as the heat ray, is inconsistent. Some tests say it worked. Some tests say it doesn't, some say it never had, some say it always did. So using that we could say that this piece of Eden was created to divert sunlight and safely stop the total catastrophe, but it's too inconsistent for the, for the Isu to keep chasing. How Archimedes got hold of this 
is unknown. All historical texts around his history have been lost, in theory, due to time. I do believe that he, he could have had them stolen by the Cult of Cosmos, who originally destroyed by Cassandra, and then all of information was just gone. No one knows. But I believe that he came in contact with several of these solar panels, but didn't know what to do with them, and he used their reflection services as a bounce method. He put them in certain precise locations to bounce sunlight. I believe that if he knew what he was doing, he could in theory connect them together to create the full dial that was created, and then used these startups' energy as a single ray. Instead of one that bounces back, it would have been a single focus ray with more kinetic energy and more potential for heat. I think this would be a really great connection to the law because we know that in Greece there is a ton of peace of Eden. And I think I would link this one to Atlantis. I think this could be really like a human ESU contraption built together to help with its own accessory, but it went wrong. Maybe the records are lost when Atlantis sunk. Who knows? Maybe they kept going, but they just abandoned it because it was not perfect. It didn't always work. So I'm about to end the episode, and I realise on my notes pinging me, I've only done 4 out of 5. How silly of me. <laughs> it's one of the weeks where I am not with it. So, the final one was... Kind of a toss-up between Pandora's box and the Waters of Sticks. Now, the only reason for this is I do have an obsession with Greek mythology. Greek mythology is fantastic, along with Egyptian mythology, Norse mythology, any mythology I enjoy. And I believe the Rivers of Sticks, Waters of Sticks, and Pandora's box was lost potential in Odyssey. Now, I did have a lot of notes on Pandora's box, as I assumed that this would be the best one to focus on. But then I read about the Shroud of Eden. The Shroud of Eden gave people the ability to heal, and it was rumoured to link to Jason and the Golden Fleece. And then I thought, well, what if the first Shroud of Eden was a pool? A pool of water that was later known as the River Styx. And in a legendary battle of Troy, it, this, this pool was found. I, we don't know who, and we don't know who told them. This is the ambiguity that I want to give it to the law. Putting Tro- Ach- Achilles, sorry, I nearly got the name wrong then. Put dipping Achilles into the pool granted him immortality. But it only left his heel vulnerable. Now in the issue of law, the biggest flaw is that they were never able to make enough of the water. So whenever somebody was submerged, there was always a part of them left, well, vulnerable. And it became too much to then, even if it was the back of their head, their back, their heel, it became too much resources to always give them armour to protect one spot. So they didn't bother. They abandoned it for a more controversial method maybe more of a, an easier method that's why they focused on the shroud 
So this river of sticks was lost to ages. It was abandoned. This is the law I'm going to go with. That it was abandoned and never looked at again. But it was found in Greece during the Battle of before the Battle of Troy, way before the Battle of Troy. Otherwise, Achilles would have been a lot older than I'm thinking. <laughs> so, using this, he was di Achilles was dipped in, and he became immortal. He was then eventually killed because of the back of his heel was left vulnerable. And I would really love to see this implemented as just Isu law. Maybe no connection to assassins or Templars, because I always argue that it's nice to see variation. Maybe link it more to Isu, less to assassins. So this is the only piece of Eden I would say has no connection to assassins or Templars. This is a purely Isu device, well, Isu creation that was lost to time because it wasn't valuable enough. When you're battling a human revolution, you don't want to waste all your resources on everything. And maybe they found that this was just too costly, it left people vulnerable, and then eventually it was just lost to time, think and destroy. Where Achilles' mother found it, under the advice she dipped a child into it, except his heel, and eventually he became the famous legend who battled in Troy. To be honest, I wish the River Styx was focused on in Odyssey, I think that would have been cool. Cassandra finding the River Styx would have been a pretty cool trick, but as I did discuss, I did want to discuss Pandora's Box, because I think Pandora's Box would have fit in as a piece of Eden that contained tons of diseases over time, and maybe it was simply stored as a way to learn how to treat people. But for the wrong hands, it could have then been used as an accidental weapon. That's the idea I wanted to go with, but I kind of found it was a bit too simple to do. This is why I chose the rivers of sticks. What is the sticks? So I hope you really enjoyed this episode, and I would love to do something like this again. You know, take a look at some artifacts, some jewelry, anything, and try and turn them to piece of Eden. If you have any suggestions, please hit them up and I will hit me up on Twitter at aclet'stalk.email assassinscreed.gmail.com and I'll happily look into seeing how I could fit into them and maybe you can come on board with me to discuss your theories. If you would like to discuss this episode in detail, then please follow me on the links. And I have really <laughs> exciting stuff planned coming up. so. I'm really excited to share with you more details of the next episodes that are upcoming. And thank you for tuning in every week. And I hope to see you all next week. Thank you.